We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way our people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, folks, we have our interview with Dr. Paul Thomas. Hey, Ron, how's it going? Very good, Ed. Looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to to get together. We've been doing some shows based on you know Thanksgiving we had off, and then we pre-recorded a couple of shows before that. So it's good to get back into the flow, so to speak. Absolutely. And we are thrilled today to welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Dr. Paul Thomas, who is a board-certified family medicine physician practicing in Corktown, Detroit. His practice is called Plum Health DPC direct primary care service, which we'll ask him about. And that is the first of his kind in Detroit and in Wayne County. And his mission is to deliver affordable, accessible healthcare services in Detroit and beyond. Welcome to the soul of enterprise, Dr. Paul Thomas. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great to be here. Well, I just want to start. This is a topic that Ron and I have been passionate about. We have been doing pricing for years and then in the last 18 months or so have really gotten into the notion of subscription-based pricing. And certainly direct primary care is one of the things that has taken advantage of subscription. But first, for our audience who probably are not familiar, what is direct primary care? Yeah, direct primary care is a membership model for healthcare. In Detroit here, my patients pay $10 a month for kids, and it starts at $49 a month for adults. And with that membership, all of my patients have my cell phone number. They can call me anytime they need me. They can text me anytime they need to, and they can come see me in the office anytime they need to for an appointment, and there's no copays. And And based on an interview that I saw you do, no wait time. Exactly. Yeah, I mean... I've reduced my panel from 2,400 patients, which is a panel size for a typical family doc, down to about 500 patients. And that allows me to spend a lot more time with each individual patient. And I can guarantee things like on-time appointments, same day and next day appointments, and really uh, just a better patient experience in our office. Okay, so let's yeah, take us through this. Why, why did you go th- this route? You went from seeing 2,400 people on an annual basis down to 500. Is that, is that correct? Did I hear those numbers right? Yeah, you know, I actually started this right out of my residency. And had I signed the contract with the big hospital system where I trained, I would have had a panel of about 2,400. That's the average panel for a family doctor. But I didn't want to do that because I was feeling burned out in my residency I felt like I was doing an inadequate job because I didn't have enough time. So I opted to create my own primary care practice and use this direct primary care model to see patients and give them my full time and attention. So you were burned out from a residency perspective. I I had a physician who got burned out at 46 years old. And so I'll give him some, I guess, some creds for, for sticking with it that long. Great on you for recognizing it early 
in your career? What was the, 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 the moment that you said, I, I just can't do what most people are signing up to do? Well, you know, I really love taking care of people and I always wanted to take care of people to the best of my ability. And in the insurance-based system, that means spending way too much time putting enter, entering data into a chart, like clicking boxes and being a data entry clerk. And I realized I didn't go to medical school to be a data entry clerk to enter, <laughs> you know, check boxes into an EMR. And I was spending every clinic day, like until 6 or 6.30 p.m., you know, an hour, an hour and a half after our clinic closed, just doing these data entry tasks. And I was like, this is madness. I'm never doing this. Yeah, it is amazing. That's one of the things that I've, I've heard a lot from people is that the whatever five or eight minutes that they get with their doctor, two thirds or three quarters of that time is with them is, is spent with, with them with their nose in the computer and almost to the point where they, they can't even deviate from the script. And, and some of these systems that they're, they're that, they're that tight, right? They say you can't, you can't even move on to the next question that you know is likely until you fully answer this series of other questions that you know make absolutely no sense. Yeah, exactly. You get locked into these um, like algorithm-based care models where you have to follow like this and that and then that. And, and it really hampers doctors in terms of the time they can spend addressing uh, critical problems. They can only answer one or two questions from a patient and then they say, well, that's all the time I have for today. You're going to have to save that next question for a follow-up appointment because I just don't have the time. Sure. And what are some of the things that, that are, are covered in, in your clinic? It's, it, you, you call it the you know, basic, that you have this thing called the basics and then also you know, some of the other things that you do above and beyond that. But talk a little bit about what, what the basics that you offer for, for, uh, for your patients. Yeah, so, you know, I just guarantee that I'll answer my phone when you call me or text me. I, I guarantee you 24, within 24 hours of you texting or emailing me or calling me, I'll call you back. And, you know, usually that's a couple minutes to a couple hours, depending on how busy I am. Um, I also have people come through uh, to have on-time appointments. I guarantee 30-minute appointment times at a minimum. If you need an hour, I'll, I'll block some people out for an hour if they have multiple medical problems or if they just like to talk. Um, you know, I had an older gentleman in my practice who came by one day and read me poetry after his appointment was over. And it was just like this really incredible moment, like nothing ever had in the fee for service system because I actually had the time to listen to him. And at the end of it, he just wanted to read me a couple poems. It was just this really amazing moment. Um, I also do basic procedures in my office. Like if you cut your finger, I can sew it up for you, and that's on the house. Um, I remove toenails. I do pap tests. Um, I perform shave biopsies and punch biopsies. I remove uh, lipomas, and I, I do a number of procedures in my office. And a lot of those are included, um, but if, like, we have to send something to the pathologist, you know, it's like $70 to send something to the pathologist, like a skin biopsy. Um, so, you know, that biopsy cost is over and above the membership. So, so what, you're, what you're capable of doing in, in your clinic is it's got to be, what, 80 to 90% of what, let's call normal healthy individuals would need in any given year? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's about right. And then, you know, we also have uh, the added use of the uh, e, 
e-consult platform called Rubicon. So if there's something slightly outside of my scope, I leverage this e-consult platform where I can take your clinical history and send it to a specialist for a second opinion. And they usually get back to me in four to 12 hours. And what's incredible about this is, is I'm just going to take myself as an example, right? And it, uh, for, for me, I'm, I'm 53 years old. I would be roughly, give or take, about $840 a year, $69 a month, according to your price plan. And I'm covered for all, all of those things. So my, my question is, if, and don't, don't take this the wrong way, if you're so cheap, how come healthcare is so expensive? Yeah, that's because you're paying me directly, and that's what we call direct primary care. I give my services directly to you. You pay me directly for my services. Healthcare costs in the United States are so expensive because we use a third-party or insurance-based middleman, and the more money that touches their hands, the more money sticks to their fingers. And unfortunately, by using a third-party or an insurance-based system to pay for your healthcare services, it inflates the cost of everything from getting your blood drawn to check your cholesterol, which is, should be low cost, like six bucks, on, to like ICU care. It's all under this insurance umbrella, so all of those prices are inflated. And not just inflated. I, I mean, I have to think again, just using myself as an example. I mean, I'm, I'm data point of one, right? But, but right. I, I would imagine if I, if I went out and tried to get a, a personal health insurance just for myself, and I have a family too, I, I've got to think that, that I'm going to pay over $8,000, which is 10 times what I would pay you at, at, for, for just some kind of a basic um, health insurance policy. So it's 90% of this money is getting stuck to the fingers, as you say, of the system, not, not the actual uh, doctors themselves. Exactly. Yeah, it's just an incredible amount of waste and glut in the system. And, you know, there's so many middlemen between you and your doctor that keeps on inflating the cost of care. It's really sad. And it's really the case, would you say, that, that you know, when we hear um, the United States pays more than other OCD countries pay for health care, it's not that we actually pay more. It's that the prices in the system are so completely out of whack. But those, those, those prices say, you know, uh, $130,000 for an operation, that's never what actually gets paid, Right. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, if you're, you know, buying that at a hospital, um, you might want to look into like a, I don't know, there's something called the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, where you can look at the prices online and actually see what the cost of a procedure would be. So like I did this for one of my patients, and we were quoted, you know, let's just say $20,000 for a gallbladder removal, and going on to this uh, website that's, you know, direct pay surgery center, you know, it was roughly $6,000. So, you know, hospitals are not incentivized to share their prices. And so you have all these murky price lists, or you can't really find the exact cost of a procedure unless the procedure is performed. And then you get the bill, you know, a month or three months later. Um, and that's really tough for patients because they're scared to go to hospitals to use services because they're not sure how much it's going to cost. 
Yes, in fact, we have uh, Dr. Keith Smith coming on in a couple of weeks to to talk about Surgery Center of Oklahoma. So we're we're really got a, a, a theme awesome. going on on this show. Yeah, and and I mean, we just we just absolutely love do, doing what you're doing. And and I know that Ron is going to take you into the next segment. We have to take a commercial break coming up, uh, and then I'll come back for the third, and then the 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 fourth segment will be with Ron. But right now, we want to remind our listeners that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage if you are in the Detroit area, you can uh, look up uh, Dr. Dr. Thomas at PlumHealthCareDPC.com. It's an amazing website. Even if you're not in the Detroit area, I strongly recommend going out to the site and taking in and checking it out and maybe find a direct primary care if provider in your area. But right now, a word from our sponsor. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here talking about the subscription business model in medicine with Dr. Paul Thomas, who's the founder of Plum Health, DPC, and Dr. Paul, you wrote in your book that uh, you cited a study by the Medscape group that found 51% of physicians experience burnout and loss of enthusiasm for their work, feelings of cynicism, and a low sense of personal accomplishments. I know you kind of talked about this with Ed, and you felt this at a, at, in your residency, and you went out and you just launched this. How, how long did it take you to work up to 500 patients? Oh, it took me about two and a half years to get from, you know, zero to about 500 patients. And, you know, that was me coming into Southwest Detroit, a relatively low-income community. The average income in Detroit, Michigan is $26,000. 
and um, you know, starting as a new doctor without a reputation. Um, so it was probably a little bit slower than other doctors in other markets, but um, uh, we've <coughs> gradually built a sustainable business through this uh, subscription-based DPC model. Right. How did you, did, did you do some type of form of marketing? Was it social media? Was it word of mouth? Did you just go out and network a lot? I know you got a lot of news coverage and you did a TEDx talk, which was brilliant, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was a combination of all of the above. Um, I really focused on writing about my practice on my blog, um, plumhealthdpc.com slash blog. And I just wrote about everything that we were doing and the way we were reaching out to the community and different ways that we could help people or were helping people. Um, and that really helped us like with our search engine optimization. And so when you Google, you know, let's say best doctor in Detroit or family doctor accepting new patients in Detroit, hopefully you'll find us at the top of the search rankings. Um, and then I also leveraged my social media channels. I really leaned into social media marketing and sharing my story with a broader audience that way. And that really helped us grow because we got some great name recognition through that. And it leads to other opportunities. Like I know one of my patients was uh, really thrilled with our service and posted about it. And it was picked up by a, a producer of a, of a local radio program. So then we got interviewed on that pra- radio program and then we got more patients that way. So it's all like compounding on itself. Right. I, you know, I know direct primary care is kind of in the same family as concierge medicine and concierge medicine has this reputation of being just for the elite, the top 1%, whatever, but that's actually not true when you start looking at the numbers and direct primary care is even more affordable. I mean, your prices are below the average person pays for a, a monthly cell phone bill. Yeah, that's right. I say that most DPC practices are priced so that if you can afford a cell phone bill for yourself, you can afford a DPC membership for yourself. And if you can afford a cable bill for your family, then you can afford a direct primary care subscription for your family. The typical price, like the average price is around $70 for direct primary care practices, that monthly subscription. And to contrast, uh, concierge medicine Concierge doctors typically charge $2,400 on an annual basis, so quite a bit higher. Um, I really think that the concierge model caters to the top, you know, let's say 3 to 5% of income earners, where direct primary care is affordable for anyone with an income. Right. You know, on the cover of your book, there's a picture, I don't know if it's a view, but the, the sand through your hands. Can you trying to catch sand. Can you explain that analogy? Because you did this in your TEDx talk and I thought it was really powerful. Yeah, I feel like being a doctor in the system, in the fee-for-service system, where you have 2,400 patients, where you have to see 24 patients a day on average, um, it's kind of like trying to catch sand. And each grain of sand represents a concern of one of your patients. And it, it might be an aging grandparent's memory loss or a new breast cancer diagnosis in, a, in your mother or a strep throat in your daughter or son. And the more and more the volume of sand, the more grains of sand that slip through our fingers as physicians. So, and I, I just had a really hard time grappling with that because all of those grains of sand are really important because they're 
the concerns of people in my community, my neighbors, my friends. And I really wanted to take my time and evaluate all of those concerns fully. And that's why I went into this direct care model. You talk about how technology and the Henry Ford assembly line, you know, treating customers like commodities rather than human interaction. We here call, call it affection, affectionately the effing debate, the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. And while I think you can be efficient with things, we have to be effective with people. And it's not very efficient to sit there and listen to a patient read you poetry. And yet, that's incredibly effective at building relationship and trust and, and you just keeping them healthy. Would you agree yeah. with that? Oh, totally. And I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, there's an epidemic of loneliness among older adults and perhaps I'm one of the few social interactions that this gentleman has. So I'm more than happy to make that connection and listen and uh, feel like you know, help him to feel like there are people in the community that care about him and that he's not alone. Right. You also talk about, you know, the average GP has 2,400 panel of patients and this, this, this volume is just overwhelming and that the profession is slowly losing its soul. I've read reports and forecasts about the, the shortage of GP doctors do you think these models, be it concierge or DPC, are the antidote to that? I mean, will they alleviate and, and attract more people into your field? Yeah, it's my hope that because we now have this working model of primary care that makes sense for patients and makes sense for doctors, we'll attract more and more primary care physicians to this model and hopefully alleviate that primary care shortage. Um, I don't think it's the responsibility of direct primary care to solve the um, physician shortage problem. Um, it's existed before uh, direct primary care was a thing, and it still exists today. But I do believe that if we have more logical payment models for physicians, we'll attract more doctors to practice in a more sustainable model. Right, because you even talk about like the urgent care and the walk-in centers, the growth of those being a symptom of this shortage and just you know lack of price transparency. And it just seems like your this model is just so much easier and so much transparent to the patient in terms of the pricing. Yeah, definitely. I I do believe that you know these urgent care centers um, largely didn't exist before, like the let's say 1990s. But now you see one on virtually every corner, and it's really a symptom of our failed primary care system because if you were injured and you could see your primary care physician in your hour of greatest need, you would do that. But now when people are sick or injured after hours, like more or less in the hour of greatest need, they're going to see a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant or a doctor that they've never met for care. And to me, that just makes no sense. And that's a, a symptom of a, a failed primary care system because if you had access to your doctor, you would never go to an urgent care. Right. The, you know, this is kind of a controversial topic, I know, in some areas, but occupational licensing, you know, a lot of economists think that that's just, that's one of the problems is it creates shortages. Do you feel like people that are not maybe licensed physicians could do some of the work 
uh, that that a physician normally does. Now, I always think, you know, we don't want surgeons piercing ears. And, you know, it might make sense for like a paralegal to do some basic contract work. What What's your view on occupational licensing and how it kind of folds into this issue? Yeah, so, uh, you know, personally, my mother is a nurse practitioner. And so, you know, I'm quite familiar with the field. Uh, my mom was a nurse for 35 years and then went to become a nurse practitioner and now pra- has been practicing in urology for the last 10 years. So I'm familiar with the training and the requirements that go into it. Um, I have really no problem with uh, physicians, assistants, nurse practitioners taking care of patients under direct supervision of a physician who's helping them manage their care plans and make sure that patients are cared for to the best of their abilities. What I'm really worried about are NP programs and PA programs that take a college graduate and um, you know push them through a really quick degree program where they have limited exposure and limited um, knowledge base, and then those those PAs or NPs going out on their own and treating patients independently. So I think that's like the worst case scenario. So I really believe in the power of, you know, a physician, the ability to take care of uh, a broad variety of concerns because of the number of hours we've put in the level of training that we have. So, you know, it kind of cuts both ways. I think there are roles for PAs and NPs, but ultimately they should be working under the supervision of doctors. Right. You know, you, you mentioned, Ed, that the insurance companies like just to get their hands on every dollar that's spent so they can <laughs> swipe off some of it at least. And it seems like, yeah, they don't, they don't like the idea of a DPC or a concierge practice thinking that it's in the insurance business, but it's not because of actuarial insurance like you know we buy insurance for things we don't want right i don't want to die i don't want my car to be wrecked i don't want an earthquake uh but i do want direct primary care and is there a law in michigan that was passed that allows dpcs to be exempt from you know having any ambiguity about them being an insurance product yeah they're there have been a variety of different laws passed across the country. Michigan actually has a good law that clarifies that we are not insurance, that we are a retainer-based medical service. And um, the laws vary from state to state, but I'm really lucky that Michigan has a favorable law for direct primary care practices. Right. And I know there's various states that have similar laws. I don't know to what degree, but it just seems to me like the insurance companies would like to block this model. Is that, is that a fair statement? Well, yeah, I can't really speak to what, what goes on in, in the inner working is of the insurance companies. You know, my, my main priority is taking excellent care of my patients every day and providing a tremendous amount of valuable and being so valuable for my patients that they wouldn't think of leaving our service. Um, so, you know, I don't really know if we're big enough yet to really be on the insurance company's radar. I think as we've grown over time, I'm sure they're aware of us at this point, but I really can't speak to whether they want to crush us or move us out of the way. I just don't know. 
Right, right. Well, I love it because it's a form of permissionless innovation, right? You just went out and did it and we'll deal with all these other issues later. But Dr. Paul, this is fantastic. And unfortunately, we're up against our next break. And folks, we'd like to remind you, go out to Apple Podcasts, write us a review. Ed and I will read it on the air, good, bad, or indifferent. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And on the Soul of Enterprise today, we have Dr. Paul Thomas from Plum Healthcare DPC in Detroit, Michigan, who is regaling us with some just absolutely great stories about what it has meant to him to be in this direct primary care space. And uh, Dr. Paul, I wanted to, to ask you, what are some of the, the barriers that you see that are in, still in the way of both physicians getting into direct primary care and also patients being able to uh, use direct primary care providers? Yeah, I think it comes down to a few different things. Uh, And principle for patients is education. I mean, it's not hit this critical mass yet where everyone knows about direct primary care. That's why I'm so passionate about getting out on podcasts like yours to speak about different things happening in the direct primary care world and how it can be a benefit for our patients. Uh, And then for physicians, it really comes down to risk tolerance. Um, A lot of doctors haven't embraced this model because it involves a significant amount of risk, like giving up on a guaranteed salary um, to start your own business, which is inherently risky. Uh, no, but no, not, not well. Maybe not quite as risky as being a a, a person who's in in the mill and is trying to see twenty four hundred patients a year, and the risk to your that your personal health in that because it's got to burn people out, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they say that, uh, you know, there's studies that show that 50% of, 50, 54% of physicians are experiencing burnout, um, and that's a system-based problem. You know, it's, it's not the individual doctors who are the problem here, it's the system. Like, if the, the example I give is if half of your light bulbs go out in your home, you don't say, oh, man, I've got, you know, 20 bad light bulbs in my house out of 40, you would say, hmm, what's going on with my power grid or what's going on with my fuse box? But in medicine, we keep saying that the physicians are the problem. They need to go do more yoga or go to mental health and wellness retreats and whatever and then get back in the grind and start seeing, you know, 24 patients again on Monday. So I think there's a huge risk to your personal health and well-being, and that's why we're seeing so many doctors burn out. Um, and for me, the the better risk to take was to start my own business and practice on my own terms and take care of my patients to the best of my ability. Wow. What a great example and, and an extraordinarily profound point. Holy cow. Um, I'm kind of lost my train of thought on that. That was great stuff. Um, when, when you, when you did start, did you consider other pricing models? Perhaps uh, you have it based on age, which I think is, is interesting and that uh, m- makes sense. But did you consider anything else like perhaps based on response time that you would maybe respond quicker to uh, people if they paid a, a different price or have different levels of things that you did and did not include? Was that something that you considered when you were putting your pricing together? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I thought about a lot of different ways to do this. And, you know, I listened to uh, another podcast about concierge medicine and all the different models out there. Like, you know, we, I, could, I thought about being a house call only service. Um, but then, you know, I went out and visited a couple successful doctors in the DPC space who'd started before me. And so I drove out to Kansas and I drove out to Denver um, and I visited two doctors who were doing this really well. I took the best of what they were doing and brought it back to my own practice. And I think my practice is a reflection of the best practices in the movement. Um, and now that I've hired a second physician, Dr. Raquel Orlick, she does osteopathic medicine. So on top of her membership, she also provides a you know fixed cost or fixed fee for doing OMT or osteopathic manual medicine, kind of like a modified uh, version of chiropractic care. And she charges a little bit extra for that, about $50 for a session. I see. So, yeah, so changing it, tweaking it just slightly. Um, Do you have any uh, jumpers? And by that, I mean people who come, see you once, get what they need, cancel your service, and then six months later, come back, pay one month, move on? No, we don't because we're really clear on, you know, this is a membership model for healthcare. If you're looking for one-off service, this is not the place for you. Um, and we refer them down the street to the urgent care or the other family doctor, you know, on the other side of the city. Um, and we're really clear that if you want to be a part of it, you're with us. Um, and if you ever leave and then try to come back, you have to pay for the intervening time. So let's say you left in September and you're trying to come back. Now it's December. You would have to pay for October, November, and December in order to be reinstated in our practice. Otherwise, it's just not fair to our other patients. Sure. Okay. So that, that that's explicitly defined in your contract up front that that's what they're, they're going to be signing on for. Exactly. And, you know, we're not draconian. We're not, uh, let's, we're not telecom companies, right? 
where it's really difficult <laughs> to cancel or change your plan. We, like, I'm a young person, too. I understand that we take care of a lot of young people who are urban, urbanites. And so, you know, they might get a job in Chicago or D.C., or they might quit their job and, you know, have to cut some of their expenses. Or, you know, I had somebody cancel because their student loan balance came up. We just require, like, a 30-day notice, and then we close out their account, no questions asked. Um, and so we're fairly flexible on that. Uh, but, you know, they also sign something that says you're committing to a one-year uh, contract, and then if you cancel, we need that 30-day uh, notice. So a lot of people go into it really understanding exactly what's in there. And, you know, that's why we have great reviews as well, because we, we're true to our word. If you don't love the service or need to cancel because you move or a job change, we just close out people's account, no hard feelings. And one of the things I noticed is that you're also now offering uh, rates for, for small business. So are you contracting with small businesses in your area to have their people move to your direct primary care model? Yeah, we are. And it's been great because, you know, a lot of people and a lot of businesses fall into what I call the messy middle. And for individuals, um, if you make more than $17,000 in Michigan, you are disqualified for Medicaid. So basically, once you start working a minimum wage job, you're no longer qualified for Medicaid. But if you're earning like twenty, twenty-four, or $30,000 a year, you're not necessarily making enough to afford private health insurance. So a lot of those people in that gap uh, fall through the cracks, and we end up taking care of a lot of those sorts of folks. And similarly for businesses, if you have fewer than 50 full-time equivalents, you're not mandated to provide health insurance for your employees. But a lot of employers, a lot of business owners want to provide some sort of health care benefit because they know that it helps their workers perform better. If they're sick, they can see somebody right away. And when you take care of your people, your people take care of your customers and you have a better bottom line. So we ended up having a lot of like bars and restaurants. We had a political campaign enrolled in our service. We have like a suit company that's enrolled in our service. And a lot of times it's 5, 10, 20 employees who are enrolled, and we provide the same sort of service for those employees. And the company then pays, pays for it on their behalf as part of their benefit package. Exactly. Yeah, they pay us exactly. okay. for their employees. Got it. And then, of course, you, you and I think you're explicit about this, and we probably should perhaps should be. And in both interviews that I saw with you, you're pretty clear about this. You believe that people should have some kind of a catastrophic policy or health insurance system for things, you know, should they get some terrible disease or be involved in some kind of a tragic accident of some kind. Exactly. And people should use their insurance as a you know, financial tool, essentially, to protect them from bankruptcy, just like we have auto insurance or home insurance. We only use those policies when we have like a major accident in our cars or maybe a fire or a flood in our homes. But for all the other, let's say, primary care things for your home or your car, you go to the free market um, for gas and oil changes and tire rotations um, because, you know, it's less expensive and you get better quality of service when you buy things in the free market. Yeah, I mean, insurance should not be for the the mundane, so to speak, right? We we don't expect that gasoline is covered under our car insurance, but yet we expect that a blood test is, which is just, it's really absurd. Right. And, you know, the more we buy into that myth or that that problematic line of thinking, 
the higher health insurance rates are going to be and the higher health care costs are going to be. Um, and I think once people understand that, they're going to get a better care, better quality of service, more time with their doctor when they pay directly, the more patients are going to start choosing these direct primary care models. I, I think you're absolutely correct. And the last question that I want to ask you before Ron takes you home in the last segment is I was struck by your TED talk on a number of occasions. You use the phrase living their truth when referring to physicians or living my truth. Just, just, to, just, just take us through that. What, what, is, to, what does that phrase mean to you, living my truth? Yeah, I mean, I, I trained and I put in all the hours to become a doctor so I could take care of people. And I didn't put in all those times in med school and all those sleepless nights on call um, so that I could take care of an insurance company through a computer-based electronic medical record system. I'm really here to take care of and serve my patients. And if I have to work in the insurance-based system, all of that nonsense gets between me and my patients. So my truth is really just taking care of my patients directly and serving them and caring for them and holding their hand and listening to them, like really listening to them about their concerns and doing my best to address those concerns. Um, and that's my truth. And this model of care, while not perfect, gets me much closer to that truth where I feel good about going to work every day. I'm excited. I'm amped up to take care of my patients and give them my best care every day. Well, as I wrap up my last segment with you, I, I want to just personally thank you for coming on with us and sharing your message. It's an important one, and I agree it needs to to get out there far and wide. I I I, I desperately want to do some kind of primary care thing. I work for a large company and I'm hoping that they decide at some point to be able to allow us to do something like this because uh, not that I have a bad relationship with my doctor, but I think it could be a lot better. And I think what you're doing is bringing not only your patients, but the, 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 the rest of us into the, the future where I think the future is very bright. So, so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to do it. And want to remind our listeners that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is the soul of enterprise where you can see show notes and as well as a previews to upcoming shows and our archive page, which contains the list of all 250 plus episodes that we've done previously. But right now, a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. 
Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we're here with dr paul thomas of plum health dpc and dr paul i wanted to ask you you know there's obviously some education going on with doctors to educate them about this model. And like you told us, you shadowed some doctors that had done this before you. But I also would think that there's some education required on the patient side because our default position as patients is to only go to the doctor when we're sick. And you want to see them, I would imagine, when they're healthy too because your goal is to keep them healthy. Has that, has that been an educational process to get people to come and see you even when they don't have an issue? Oh, definitely. Um, and for a lot of patients, you know, having that annual physical is really important to make sure we get in all those important screening tests, um, like checking the cholesterol, checking the blood pressure. If you're 50, doing the... Um, colonoscopy screening or mammogram, et cetera. So um, that's part of it is a lot of education on what's important and what's valuable as a screening test. But then I've had, it's really been a wonderful experience starting this new practice model because I've had a lot of people reach out to me who want to be more proactive with their health care and they want those preventive services and they're coming in asking for that. So it's kind of cool in that I built this practice and then I've attracted the sort of patients that I would want to take care of who are more proactive about their healthcare needs. Right. You know, Ed and I talk a lot about the, the market share myth that a lot of business people have about growth for the sake of growth. And I believe growth for the sake of growth is the ideology of the cancer cell, not necessarily a, a, a viable, profitable, sustainable business. And the way you phrase it in your book, which I absolutely love, I think it's one of the most powerful lines is value over volume. And I just absolutely yeah. love that uh, because you can spend more time and you can learn more about the patient and keep them healthy. You must talk a lot at cocktail parties or different events and get asked a lot. So I'll ask you, you know, this myth that, that just persists that healthcare is different than food or hotels or indeed any other product or service that we buy and it can't have a free market. How do you reply to that? Because I mean, I, I know how you reply. You're doing it. You're you're showing the contrary evidence. But how do you explain it to people? Um, well, I think that 
you know, healthcare is not a commodity. You know, it's like, it's not a commodity like food or gasoline is a commodity uh, because you're asking a doctor who's like a sensate being who has feelings, who has um, ideas, who has this knowledge base uh, to commoditize care. I just think that's a really inappropriate thing to do. I think it's more appropriate to view healthcare as a service that's provided by uh, physicians who are doing working their hardest to serve their patients in the best of their abilities. And I think if we create the systems that bring the best out of these physicians, we'll get a better product, we'll get a better service. And right now this fee-for-service system is not working, especially in the United States where health costs are so high that are keeping patients from accessing care. Right. I mean, your model is restoring the, I, I think it's a sacred relationship between a patient and a doctor. And like you said, you did this so you didn't have to serve the insurance company. I mean, you're kind of bringing everything back to the days of Marcus Welby. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with Marcus Welby, I think the modern day analogy, if people, people are kind of familiar with uh, Royal Pains or something like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, taking the time to to be with patients and have that authentic relationship um, and mutual respect, you know, because it's the two way street. If you start seeing healthcare as a commodity, then you start treating your physician or your healer as a cog in a system who has to get you things, you know, uh, in order for you to be healthier. Um, Whereas, I mean, fortunately I found that a lot of my patients view me as a person that has demands and, demands on my time and other things going on in my life. So uh, I've been really blown away by how my patients take care of me and ask me if I'm doing well and all those little things like, you know, maybe sending me a gift card or giving me a ticket to a sports game or something like that, where they're demonstrating that they care for me as well and that my service to them is so important that they want to check on me. So that's that's not anything that I really experienced in the other system, the fee-for-service world. Right. I, you know, I know a lot of doctors have the fear in this model that, oh, geez, they're going to call me on the weekends at 2 a.m. And I've, I've read some stats on this to say 82% of the calls happen in between your normal business hours because your patients do respect you because of that relationship that you've built up. Has that been your experience that most people are very respectful of your time unless there is an emergency? Yeah, I, I've definitely had that. And that, that 80, 20 rule is probably accurate where 80% of your texts and phone calls are coming during the working day and you're getting a handful after hours or over the weekend. Um, and I think one thing that I really focus on is being really super fast to respond during the working day where I, if I have a text message or an email or a phone call, I'm, I'm really getting the, back to them in seconds or minutes or un, at least under an hour. Um, and that really incentivizes people to get at me right away. And then if there's a non-urgent concern that somebody sends me after hours, I might just sit on it until the next morning uh, just to kind of like reinforce that it's best to get a hold of me during the day. So in a way, I, I try to guide people towards the best time to get a hold of me. Uh, and that's not to say if there's an urgent thing or something that happens after hours, I'm, I'm not available. Uh, that's not true because, you know, I've had somebody cut their finger on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock and they came to the office at 10:20. I, you know, stopped the bleeding and 
help them to feel better and get through that illness and preventing them from going to the er emergency department because that's the only option at that hour, which might have cost them $1,000 or $2,000. Right. I had a colleague that had that exact situation, cut his hand on the, on the weekend, on the Sunday, and he, he is under the care of a concierge doctor. And he went to the ER because he didn't want to bother the doctor. And when the doctor found out, he chewed him out. <laughs> he said, no, you come to me. This is what I'm <laughs> so, yeah, this so, is why we do this. We, you know, it's kind of, I get a kick out of that. You know, it was uh, a restaurant worker in one of our employer groups. And I was in, at an event with my wife. Um, and we drove over there straight from the event stop the bleeding and then as a gift they brought us some kim kimchi and some dumplings and some sake and uh it was just like a really kind thing for them to do because they knew that we were coming out on a saturday night to take care of this thing right right now that's just awesome um dr paul tell us about startupdpc.com yeah so you know I, i've gotten out and i've spoken about my work in starting this and I've had a lot of doctors reach out to me and ask me how I've done this. So I started recording those conversations and putting my best practices into this website called startupdpc.com where I just kind of catalog the things that I do. Um, there's a lot of free resources and some paid resources. So if there's doctors who are looking to start this sort of practice model, they can go to our website and um, look around at our different um, offerings and all the information that we include and I'm, uh, you know, wrapping up a book that includes all of my best practices and ideas, and that's going to be published uh, probably January 1st of, of 2020. So I'm really excited to, you know, help other doctors achieve this dream of taking care of patients on their own terms and living their truth in their medical careers. Right. Well, wow, maybe we can have you back on after that book comes out and give it some publicity for you. Sounds great. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, if you could wave a magic wand, we've only got a minute or so, but if you could wave a magic wand to reform healthcare, what would you do? I think I would start with price transparency and quality scores. I think mm. every hospital should publish uh, publicly their, their infection rates, their um, readmission rates, um, uh, wrong site surgery rates, et cetera. And that should all be publicly available so that healthcare consumers can make informed decisions about their care. And then the rates for um, hemoglobin A1C, uh, cholesterol levels, thyroid testing, um, orthopedic surgery, abdominal surgery, all those rates should be published online or in some sort of public forum for each hospital and each um, hospital system so that, again, healthcare consumers can make their best decision on where to go based on price and quality, just like we do with every other service in our, you know, in our economy, in our U S economy, we always weigh right. cost and price. And in the U S healthcare system, we can't do that because all the things are obscured from public view. Right. Well, Dr. Paul Thomas, thank you so much. It's obvious just from your enthusiasm that this, you're doing what you were born to do and bless you because you're doing great and blazing the trail for others. So thank you so much for appearing on the Soul of Enterprise. I really Ed. appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Next week, Ron, we are re revealing our communist humor show. 
<laughs> oh, great. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by